Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show where we talk about short video games. The kind of thing that you can pick up and complete in an evening or a weekend. The kind of games that respect your time. Uh, I'm your host, Reagan Kelly, and I am joined once again by two awesome co-hosts. Nate Heininger, how are you doing, Nate? I'm doing well, thank you. And Shane Kelly, my real-life twin brother. How are you doing, Shane? Uh, I'm pretty good. Thanks for asking. You're welcome. Uh, this week is going to be a pretty quick episode, but we wanted to talk a little bit about a game that we've had our eye on for a little while now, and that's Tharsis, coming from Choice Provisions. Uh, I actually first became aware of this game because uh, I did a little solo episode a little while back on another game by Choice Provisions, uh, Laser Life. That was the weird sort of um, dual stick rhythm game themed around... Uh, playing as an alien intelligence, exploring the mind of a dead human astronaut floating through space. Very cool looking game. We did a very, I did a very short episode on it. Um, and at that time, they were talking up Tharsis quite a bit because it was still one of their upcoming uh, games and one of the bigger games from Choice Provisions. Choice Provisions does a lot of really small games, really short, really sort of, um, I don't know, what would you describe their aesthetic as? Yeah, the only other game of theirs that I have played is Woe Dave. And Woe Dave is a total throwback to kind of arcade games of the past. It has the sort of feel of the original Super Mario Brothers, not Super, you know, the Mario Brothers arcade game where you're literally just in one square room stomping on turtles. You know the one? Yes, of course. Woe Wo Dave is amazing, actually. Like, I, I played a lot of Woe Dave on the Vita, but it's out on everything. It's on the 3DS, it's on the PS4, it's it's on computers, etc. Um, really great game. Actually, um, not to not to delay too long before we talk about Tharsis, um, but uh, they have a sequel to Woe Dave coming out called Space Dave, Ooh. and I got to play it a little bit at, uh, at, pa- at uh, PlayStation Experience. And I have to say, if anything, it is better than Woe Dave. Like, it is a, re- it's a, it's kind of like the same sort of um, modern take on a classic arcade uh, experience, but more focused on sort of uh, Space Invaders style, a uh, bottom to top shooter. Uh, and it is really, really fun. I can't wait to, to, for that to come out. I think the one thing that I would, I would say that ha- all their games have in common is that they're either going to be love it or hate it experiences. That's really true, yeah. Like the Bit Trip series, there's a bunch of games in that series and actually some of them I loved and some of them I hated. Like I kind of hated the first Bit Trip Runner and I really liked Runner 2. And um you know, I think there were the Laser Life was pretty um polarizing. I I liked it pretty well. I could see people really not liking Woe Dave because it's so minimal. Mhm. But I, I really dug it for that same reason. And I think that's going to be the, the experience people are going to have with Tharsis as well. I've seen a lot of really, really split, like reviews on this are really, really split. Um, if you look up the, the Steam reviews, there's, there's some folks who seem to really, really like this game a lot and others who really, really don't. And so I hope that today we could talk a little bit about this new game, Tharsis. It's a pretty big departure for them, but you're right, in that same way, kind of a love it or hate it kind of thing. Uh, I've had a chance to play it just a little bit. I know that Shane, you've played it more than I have, and Nate, you've you've actually been able to to beat it. Yeah, this um, I, I think the the number one reason why the reviews are so mixed is that it is a very punishing game. 
this is a game that I, I, I don't think I've ever truly rage quit a game before, um, to use that trope, but I, this, I definitely had a couple times of playing this where something would go terribly wrong and I, and I would just think, I don't want to play this game anymore. But my, like, need, I, I really like games of this kind of where you as a player are getting better. Um, the game is always hard, just you get better instead of kind of normally have your skill level stays the same, but your player gets better. Um, you know, I, I picked this game up uh, from your recommendation and the fact that people were comparing it to FTL a lot. And I I don't want to just say FTL like 100 times this episode, so I'm not really <laughs> – I, I think – well, I want to hold like my opinion of its comparison till probably Newer listeners later. May, not, uh, may not be aware of this show and particularly Nate's longtime love affair with FTL. It's – one of my favorite games. So, uh, and a lot of games get compared to it, and I often find that they, it's not a good comparison. I will say this game is probably the closest. Um, I, I see why people compare it to FTL. It, it doesn't really work like it, but part. Of, I mean, th- probably the main reason is just that that it's like spaceships and you're controlling a spaceship. But there is some, there is some something there to the comparison. Um, but. I did really, really enjoy this game, but it is punishing. So I can totally see why people might not like it, might not come back to it, might play it for an hour and just say, nope, close it and never come back. But if you do beat it, um, it is very satisfying. Uh, And it is a game that does not want to be beat, but very much is. You just gotta, you just gotta learn it and, and take some time and also get lucky. So let's so let's set up the game a little bit. If you haven't seen Tharsis, it is so in in some ways this is a board game. So story-wise, you're controlling a mission to Mars. There's a, a spaceship. It's the entirety of your display. Um, you get a little bit of a cutscene at the beginning, just briefly explaining that you've got a crew on this spaceship on its mission to Mars. the uh, The ship is called the Ikatomi, and uh, looks like. On the way, you're hit by some sort of a meteor or there's some sort of other explosion and things on the ship are going wrong, one after another after another. And so your goal in the game is to try to keep the ship from completely falling apart, to keep your astronauts alive, keep them fed, make sure that they all have oxygen, and... um, Try to avoid situations where they have to eat each other for food. One of the big things that is uh, is all over the marketing of this is that this is a game in which you have to eat the crew, so to speak. You you can eat the crew if you need to. Yeah, um, yeah. The the plot as it is is fine. They actually try. I think they they really they really went at it in trying to make like. There's a cutscene in between every single. The game is broken into ten rounds essentially, and there's a cutscene in between each round, giving you more and more information. But the core of it is that your ship is, you're in a terrible spot. I mean, the, the initial uh, event killed two of your six crew, so you're you're already like undermanned in a ship that's essentially falling apart, spiraling towards Mars. So um, you know when I when people have complained about how hard this game is. Uh, you know, I've heard from like the developers and stuff. They're basically saying like, well, look at the situation you're in. Your ship has been like destroyed by meteors and you're just spiraling towards Mars. Like 
you would most likely not survive that situation. It's only if you play it exactly right and do things exactly right could you maybe actually survive. Uh, fortunately, those cutscenes, um, they're 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 a little bit they're kind of long and a little weird. Um, you can hit space and skip right through them. I noticed that like the more and more I play, like I I really just stopped watching them. You don't really need to get the same little video over and over and over. So you, they kind of become a nuisance to a degree, but um, but they're fine. And there is kind of a um, it's kind of an interesting resolution if you make it to the make it the whole way. We'll talk about the uh, we'll talk about the ending and end game because I haven't been able to reach it. I should know Shane hasn't been able Nor to reach I. it. Yes, um, I will say though about that beginning of the game. If we're if we're briefly on the subject of story, the the guy that gets hit by a meteor and blasted off into space off the top of your your ship mm-hmm. is uh, supposed to be the same guy as the aliens are poking with their rhythm and beats in uh, in Laser Life. Oh, that's okay. Funny. I didn't put that together. That's great. That's awesome. That's pretty funny. Uh, so I guess let's go into some of the mechanics of this game and kind of what makes it so difficult. Um, there's a dice rolling mechanic, and that's the main thing. But I kind of want to – I think we need to set up kind of like the elements of the game before we totally describe the actual dice rolling. Um, so you have your ship, and it's made up of – let's see. It's seven compartments. Um, typical stuff you would find in a in a spaceship. You've got like flight control. You've got life support, medical bay, the maintenance. Uh, you've got your laboratory operations and your greenhouse. And they are individual components to the ship. Each have a benefit um, that you can utilize if you have a character in that place and roll a certain amount of dice. Kind of get into that later. Um, but they can also be individually impacted by events. So it is very much like compartmentalized, and a big part of this game is moving your individual characters from compartment to compartment, and who's in what compartment with another character can be super important. It's kind of nice to look at. It's kind of like, I think it's a little UI overload at first, but once you kind of get into it, you see why they had to include so much information. Yeah, that's one of the things that really kind of put me off about the game at first is how much information it tries to present to you on screen at any given time. Um, and it doesn't have it doesn't have a particularly good tutorial, which I think is one of the um, one of the failings. Maybe maybe you had a better experience with it than I did. But going through the like intro I felt like I got past all of its introductory stuff and still didn't really understand what a lot of the information on screen really represented. Yeah, I would say that this game, uh, when you first get started, one of the challenges that this game presents to the player is really just understanding a very complex situation. And and sort of to that end, it starts you off with a sort of a basic understanding of what's going on, but a big part of it is kind of learning what each sort of situation might mean for your crew and seeing all these zillion different resources you have from dice to health to uh, crew stress levels to food to uh, human meat to uh, durability of your ship to assists to research, et cetera, et cetera, which are all presented with sort of equal importance on screen, it's up to you as the player to sort of parse out, well, how do I prioritize the thousand different things that I could be doing? Yeah, 
And uh, I, I don't think that I had any easier time than you, Reagan, because I, I, it probably took um, three or four runs before I really felt like I understood each resource individually and I, or each mechanic individually. And I actually um, found myself going to their website um, a lot when I was first playing, and they actually, for what you know, for what it's worth, they have additional videos on their website hmm, as okay. well as um, as well as some breakdowns where they like put up every type of event and what it could do and what that means, and they put up um, a lot of the different research stuff, and and so there is more available on their website, and I did have to do that. So if you were going to introduce somebody to this game, uh, is there anything that you would? Any anything about the mechanics that you think would help somebody f- trying to figure out the game? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know because they are, and as Shane put it, like you do kind of have to understand everything to re- to be, to be able to win. You have to be utilizing just about every element of the game. Um, you can't really skirt on anything and kind of like you know fail your way to it. You kind of have to be ahead of everything. Um, so I think it would be taking the time to understand, um, uh, I guess how important the dice are as far as like a, um, as a resource, like you need to be your first priority, which should be to be refilling your dice and go down from there. But I would watch their video and I would want read their whole website if you had that kind of time. Okay. We'll have some links in the show notes. I always think that watching tutorials for a game like this, like when I'm, when I'm trying to decide whether I want to buy a board game, usually the first thing that I do, uh, other than maybe look at the, you know, uh, boardgamegeek.com reviews on it, is look up a video tutorial for explaining the rules. Because yeah. I usually find that if somebody is able to explain the rules to me in a video, then it's something that I'll be able to understand and pick up and and play and enjoy. So yeah, yeah we'll have some links in the show notes for videos explaining the rules of Tharsis, the, um, the, the game systems. Well, Reagan, I did my best to try and squeeze all my takeaways from this game into a single tweet, um, <laughs> which, which I basically said my Tharsis takeaways so far, one, keep everyone together, two, Refill dice first. Three, re-rolls are dangerous. Four, eat the dead. Five, life is pain. (laughs) Yep, that sounds good. But let's talk about, Nate, uh, some of your kind of key takeaways, because you actually managed to beat this game, whereas I managed to just sort of delay the inevitable painful death of my crew members. Um, Oh, yeah. And one thing I I, I did want to throw in real quick. Uh, One thing that's nice for people who are new to the game is this game is, and we haven't mentioned it yet, is 100% turn-based. There is nothing that is like, even though you're spiraling towards your death, nothing is of the essence as far as like timing goes. Like you can take as much time as you need uh, in each individual action to decide what is the best move and you're not really committed to anything until you actually like perform the action. So you can take your time with stuff. That's one of the things I like best about the game uh, because sometimes, and don't tell, don't tell my bosses or anything this, but sometimes I'll like to pull up a, a you know, some kind of a game or something like that on my second monitor uh, while I'm, you know, answering emails and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And this is a great game for that because it runs great on uh, Mac or Windows. It runs uh, in a windowed mode just fine and you can, you know, resize it or put it wherever. And you can like individually mute things like the music or sound effects. So it's a great game if you just sort of want something to... Uh, to you know, click over to and play a few rounds while you're doing something else. 
and yeah. uh, it won't really get in your way. So I, I actually recommend that this is available both on Mac, Windows, and on PS4. I think I'd recommend the Mac version over the PS4 version, where for a lot of games, uh, that's kind of the opposite for me, because like it's so easy to quickly tab over to it, play a round or two, and then switch back to something else if you need mm-hmm. to. I would agree on that. I played it on PS4, and I certainly uh, recommend the experience. Uh, the UI is is good, but what I've seen user interface wise, if you have you know it, all things considered, if everything's equal to you, uh, the way that you assign dice by just sort of dragging and dropping uh, the dice into the spots you want them seems frankly much easier to do with a mouse. Uh, yeah. In the PS4, you're selecting the dice and then sort of like clicking your buttons around using the d-pad to select where you're going to put the dice seems like the game would play a lot faster on a on a mouse and keyboard interface yeah pretty much that's why i decided to go with uh with the laptop as well um it that felt like that would be slow to me uh using a joist uh you know like the the d-pad joystick and everything for moving around dice um but let's let's talk a little bit let's kind of nail down what this dice rolling mechanic is because this is really the most unique part of the game um and there's a lot of board games that this feels similar to uh one that came to mind is a game called dice masters where you're rolling you're hoping for good rolls and then you're spending the dice as a sort of currency um so in order to best explain like how these this dice works out i think we need to talk about uh events which are like the the core problem of the game at the beginning of each round, uh, a certain number, a random from like two to three, um, I think maybe upwards to four, but it's mostly two or three different events will happen to each compartment of your ship. So you've got seven compartments, two to three of them will be affected by an event. And they can range in severity, um, but it could be uh, if this event goes through, one damage to your ship is taken. Or if this event goes through, uh, all of your crew loses one health. Or um, it could be two damage, or everyone in your crew loses one dice. So your goal, your primary goal, is to resolve these events, to fix these problems um, before you can get hurt by the damage, basically. And the events are representing things like explosions or breakdowns of various systems or you know, leaks of some kind or other, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so you've got your, you've got your, uh, ship, you know, that's what you're looking at. Like you're, you have the uh, point of view as if you're just like floating in space, looking at your ship and you can see the events come in and then you have your four crew members. Uh, hopefully you still have four and you basically take them and assign them to the event. Uh, this event, each event is given a number, um, can range from like five all the way up to like 35 and that's the number of dice you have to contribute to it to solve the event and this is where it's like it's kind of hard to explain basically but let's say an event has a number of 10 you'll assign your player your uh your astronaut to that room and they may be able to roll anywhere between uh, one and five dice if they can roll two dice and two of those are fives you can drag those two fives and resolve that issue by giving it 10 total dice points and that fixes the issue and it's good and so you want to go around with each of your astronauts to each of these events as they happen 
getting that number down to zero so that those events don't happen. Any events remaining at the end of the round, the round ends once you've used all four of your astronauts, that damage happens and that damage, that event stays over until the next round. Yeah, you've got these random events and you've got to clear them, but there's no way to clear them all. Yeah, and and it becomes a balancing act. So you might get an event onto your, uh, your, uh, your flight control that it requires 10 dice points to clear out. And if you do not clear it out, your ship takes one damage. But you might look at your ship and say, well, I've got four health points essentially for my ship right now. And there's this other event on my medical bay that if I don't clear it out and it needs 20 dice points, um, everyone on my ship loses two health. And I'm looking at my mechanic right now who has two health. So if I don't resolve this uh, event or somehow raise the health of my mechanic, he's going to die at the end of this round. So I might prioritize that event over the one on the flight control deck um, so that I can like – you're basically just trying to live to the next round. Your primary objective each time is to at least make it to the next round. But as you get better at the game, you'll realize that there is a way to survive a round while also building up your resources to um, survive future rounds. And that's where there's like kind of a, a big learning curve is learning at what point is an event okay to kind of let just sit there hitting you every round, but it's less of a priority than maybe um, clumping all my guys together in the medical bay so that they can all get their health refilled. Because if the event is everyone loses one health, that could be a problem unless everyone in your ship has a lot of health, at which point, you know, that's not really a big problem at the moment. It might be down the line, but right now I got to work on my ship because it's down to two health points, something like that. And that's where, like, it's a really subtle balancing act of working for today but also working for the future, all mixed in with the fact that you are relying 100% on dice rolls. The dice thing is really probably the the most interesting visual thing about – the thing that sets this game apart visually from other games that I've seen, and that's that this means actual – physical on-screen dice that you see rolling little three-dimensional models of dice and then moving those dice around physically and if you've uh if you've chosen to eat the dead those dice are now dripping with blood that's right (laughs) i love that and this is the the not totally different game but like the only other game i can think of off the top of my head that really does things this this way with this very physical uh, you know, dice rolling mechanic is Crimson Shroud, uh, a game for the 3DS that we're going to do on this show someday. I promise. It's one that I'm really looking forward to. Yes. Yeah, but it's a it's an RPG where you are rolling dice in a very more you know RPG oriented way. But those dice are are actual physical dice you roll on your 3DS's touchscreen. Um, I really really like this. Like anything where a game involves random chance. Um, and that random chance is essentially a dice roll under the hood. I kind of like the idea of bringing those dice to just the showing forefront. It. Just show the dice, yeah. and then makes the dice kind of part of the part of the play. Yeah, it gives you it gives you kind of a, a rationality to it because there's when it comes to randomness in games, you can have like some random number generator going in the background, and that's that's all fine. But how do I know what the range is? How do I have like a real sense of of what that 
randomness actually means. But if if I have, you know, between one and what is it, one and five actual six sided dice, I have a pretty good expectation of like what the highs and lows are likely to be. Yeah. And not only that, like you're seeing the randomness, but then you are picking and choosing from the randomness how you spend these dice. So um, to kind of give you an example, we have that pool that like our main goal is to get that dice count. If the event is 10, we need to get that 10 to a zero. But let's say you are in the um, your this event, you're in the mechanic bay. Um, there's a little thing on the side that is ship repair. And you can apply, uh, if you apply two matching dice, so, you know, a, a one and a one or whatever, two matching dice, it'll actually heal your ship two health points, essentially. So you could decide, well, I rolled these two threes. Um, that's not great for resolving that 10 that I need to fix the issue. But if I take them and drop them into the ship repair, I will gain two ship points, which might be more valuable than simply resolving the issue. Um, and, and it's that kind of balance. Also, every character has a benefit um, that can you can spend a dice to. So, like, you could be the doctor. If you spend a dice, uh, a die that's five or higher, so five or six, on the doctor's special ability... It heals him and everyone else that's in that compartment a health point. So it might be worth it instead of applying that five to the repair cost, um, you know, to the event cost. It might be worth it to heal everyone in the in the compartment one health point. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of different ways you can spin the dice, and it's not always best to just dump them all into the repair because it might be better to do these other utility things. Um, so if I can make one recommendation, uh, there's, you have, one of your characters is the captain. And if you spend a five or a six die on the captain's special ability, it gives everyone in that compartment, including the captain, an additional die for the next round. Because one thing we didn't say is every time you use them, their dice number goes down by one. So it's a depleting resource. Um, so one thing you can do is let's say you have an ish, you know, a repair in the medical bay or in the mechanical bay, you can send your three astronauts there first, your other three astronauts, use them to solve the issue as well as put some die into repairing the ship. And then you roll in with the captain as the last one, apply one of the five or sixes to the captain's special cost and gives everyone in that compartment an additional die. And you kind of have to do that because you'll run out of dice really quickly. So you have to be doing something to replenish your uh, team's dice. And just rolling around that captain as the last roll just to give people dice um, is sometimes better than sending that captain to, like, an event that is just hurting your ship for one or something like that. That's actually a great recommendation because I never picked up on that mechanic. And I think that might have been why I was I was losing after like three or four mm -hmm. rounds a lot. Because you run out of, dice. out of dice a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You have to be like the dice are the only thing that like you need them to do anything. So as soon as you start running out of dice, you start you're running out of options, which is exactly where the cannibalism point comes in. Because <laughs> if uh, you can spend um, – you can basically eat human meat to um, acquire more dice. 
Um, and you really, it, it's bad for a lot of different things. We haven't really talked about the options. We don't, there's another thing that we don't really have to go into, but it's bad for your characters to be really stressed. Mm-hmm. And if they eat human meat, it's like an instant high stress thing. And it also reduces a maximum amount of health that they can have, but they get more dice and you need those dice because you got to live. So it, it actually like when you are, you don't go into the human meat eating thing softly, but you do it when you have to. Uh, and it, and it, it's a pretty good mechanic. Like I, I like how they, uh, incorporate words it. to live by. Yeah. Um, don't do it lightly, but if you need more dice, you got to eat, you can actually kill someone, um, and eat them too, if you need to. And for what it's worth on my, uh, winning run, I did have to uh, eat some human meat on the last round to make it to the to, to win, essentially. So um, I, I, I don't think everyone has to every time. I'm sure you can make it all the way to the end without having done that. Um, but one of my guys died. I, I made it with three. Two of them actually landed, but I made it to the last round with three and totally ate the other guy that died. So. <laughs> all right. Well... If you are listening to all of that explanation of the mechanics and completely zoning out or thinking this isn't for you, you know, hopefully that'll have helped you make a decision whether this game is for you or not. This is a game about uh, rolling with slightly unpredictable and catastrophic events and finding ways to just barely scrape by uh, into one more round, one more round, and very slowly figuring out complex systems in order to complete this game. Each individual run is what, maybe uh, 10 to 20 minutes? Yeah, I think the one that I beat it was like maybe a half an hour, and that's because I was like really taking my time. Um, But yeah, you can just, and especially right when you start, uh, runs might be five minutes. So, um, um, And I imagine once you get really good at this game and like can really analyze the situation pretty quickly i bet you could win the game in 20 minutes too because there's at the most you're only each round you're utilizing four astronauts so like you'll have like four turns within each round so and those go by quick because it's literally just rolling dice so nate i know that uh i'm starting to see a pattern where you really enjoy games that involve uh outer space disaster (laughs) Uh, so I wanted to kind of compare and contrast this a little bit with FTL. I, I've got some sort of thoughts that I, when I went into this game, I was expecting it to be very, very similar to FTL, but I honestly don't think this game has hardly anything to do with FTL at all. Uh, FTL is a game where there's a lot of importance placed on kind of micromanagement and your reaction time, you know? So I think that's totally different in this game. Um, yeah, it's, kind this of, because you can always pause. It, reaction time is a deal in, but it's more like reaction time to assessing the situation, but you can always pause in FTL. So there is some similarities. Yeah. In FTL, I mean, you're, you're definitely repairing your ship when everything goes wrong, but you're really doing your best to repair everything before you launch to the next system. And in this game, it's more about that strategic decision to not repair things Mm -hmm. and to just sort of let those problems ride and prioritize. Yeah, I like I I totally understand why people want to compare this to FTL. And of the games that I've played where people say like, "Hey, this game reminds me of FTL." This is the only one that I've ever been like, "Yeah, kind of." Every time before, it I've been like, "No, this is just a roguelike or something and you want it to you want it to feel <laughs> like FTL, but it doesn't." And part of it is certainly that it's, you know, it's a spaceship and shit's going wrong, but um 
if you take and I think I read this on a review, so this isn't necessarily my uh, this isn't like my individual thought, but if you take the crew management aspect of FTL, you know, I need to have a guy in this room to, so that my shields are good. I need to have a guy in this room so that my um, my engine gets a bonus. Take that and extrapolate it to the entire game is about crew management and you're dealing with issues as they come, then it's kind of like FTL. But the gameplay is nothing like F- FTL. I think suffice it to say that this game, you're always one bad decision away from having to start completely over. Or just a bad roll. So to give you guys, so to recap a real, uh, like take a whole element and put it down into one situation, There, uh, the events have... Um, bad things that can happen if you roll a certain number. So if, like the one that I had, if you roll a six, your guy gets injured and it takes a health point away from him. But because it's random, they can double up. So I actually had an event that if you rolled a six, your character took three damage, okay? And I had a full health character and I had a full bar of um, assists, which will block those things. I went in, I rolled my first roll of four dice was one six, uh, blocked by the assist. My next roll, and I, I was at like week six. Everything was going great. This was my captain. I rolled four sixes, <laughs> which cleared out my uh, assists and totally killed my full health character with full uh, dice. And it ultimately like ruined that entire rat game. And I had to start over entirely. All because I rolled four sixes, which is normally exactly what you want because you generally want higher rolls than lower rolls and the whole thing just went to shit there's nothing i could have done about it other than not roll four sixes which i couldn't do so that's where this game is like super punishing because you like have to get these specific dice rolls but every time you have a shitty roll you're forgetting about like the really good roll you might have had like the round before you know so it ultimately balances out um but you can have entire runs derailed in within a moment. It is brutal sometimes. And one of the most depressing games when that happens. I think that the thing that makes it okay um, is how short each run is. Yeah. You know, in a game where you can have brutal, seemingly unfair game ending things crop up suddenly without warning, um, the fact that you can then start another run and each run is, you know, 15 to 30 minutes is it it makes that sort of brutality something a little bit bearable and, and maybe even a little bit amusing in some circumstances. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. I think that's one of the things where the board gaminess kind of steps in to really help you because if this game were a little bit less, um, full of, of these sort of reminders of its fakeness, like the fact that you have these, uh, these physical dice, then it would be even more crushing when you see these same characters die brutally over and over again <laughs> a zillion times. But the fact that you're like literally like tossing some dice and it feels so board gamey makes that a little bit less of a of a yeah. of a bummer. I agree completely, except for the fact that they you see your little astronauts' faces and they are just constantly the most panicked and stressed <laughs> i like it's like cartoony how stressed they look if, yeah. if you if you don't play this game um that's fine but see if, i don't know if there's like like watch some gameplay video just to watch their stupid little heads they're constantly <laughs> like looking up and in the corner and like 
uh, just looking panicked. And then they every did a time, great job with the facial animation. Did that remind zombies. you guys of Doom at all? Kind of. See, I don't know if it's necessarily good anime because it is like almost silly how scared these people look. And yeah. I played this game almost with a head, almost entirely with headphones on, and there are a lot of uh, like like wet death noises. <laughs> like whatever yeah. you take uh, damage is like, you know, and like, oh. it's like bone crushing wet sounds when people get hurt or when they die. Here, have some human meat. Squish. <laughs> yeah. That was a bad one. It was like a duck noise. Um, uh, but anyway, so yes, it, you are very much removed from it because it's, uh, because it's dice and all that, but they definitely try to make it like add some humanity to it, uh, even though you watch all of these guys die over and over and over. Um, my only real criticism of the game, and uh, other than that, I do think sometimes it's too punishing, but like that's what they were going for, so that's fine. Is that uh, after winning, um, I didn't, I don't have as much of an urge to go back. Uh, they do have some unlocks, like there's other uh, characters you can unlock, um, but ultimately that's it. Now, when you open it up uh, on Steam, there is a big button that says Missions coming soon, so I imagine that they're working on a DLC of some sort for it. Um, but like, I kind of want to go back and unlock those other characters, but I kind of feel like, well, I beat it, I'm done. Um, whereas a game like FTL, as I've mentioned countless times, I've beaten that game um, in a, a lot, and I beat it on hard with a lot of the ships. Like I wanted the accomplishment of beating it with different like play styles and different things. Um, whereas with this game, I was just kind of like, okay, I got it. Like that was fun. Um, I don't really need to beat it again. Um, there is a hard mode, which sounds terrifying. <laughs> I think that the normal mode is hard mode. You know, I I, I was thinking this game would be so difficult that like there would be such an element of randomness in it. But there are people that I, I've seen on Twitch that are streaming this game and are beating it every single time. Mm -hmm. saw one guy who'd beaten 30 games in a row. So uh, it is doable. It is a game that it can be beaten and can be learned. Yeah, I like I noticed myself getting better um, as I played, like understanding. The, and it, it's a lot of just understanding what could happen and um, organization of your astronauts, who to send first, when those dice rolls happen, where to apply them. Um, and it, it's a, it's very mechanical learn. So Nate, it sounds like you had a pretty good time playing it. Overall, who do you recommend this game for and who shouldn't check it out? Um, I did enjoy this game overall, but again, there were times I was like, this game is stupid. I hate this game, <laughs> um, which is something I didn't, I don't feel very often for games. Um, like I felt hurt by this game more than other games. Um, so if you are looking for something that is uh, intense, um, like management and you don't get hurt by um, like blatant randomness, um, like you have to be willing to just buy into it and remember the good times um, <laughs> because there are like you'll have times where you're like, oh, my God, I can't get through this unless I roll four fives or above. And then you do. And it's like, you know, it's beautiful. And I dance in my bedroom. Um, that's not <laughs> true. Uh, but then the next turn you die, you know, um, 
I just someone who's who's uh, wants to like really get into a game that doesn't try to hold your hand in any sort. Like you have to beat this game. Um, it won't really let you do it. Like you, I like you can't really luck into it. Um, even with FTL, which you can't luck into a flagship run by any means, but you could make it pretty far into FTL. Um, once you had a basic understanding of the game, you might make it, you know, a few stations, you might get a few, um, a few jumps through and feel like you had a pretty good time before you died. This game, if you don't know what you're doing, like you're not going to make it to two or three weeks at the most. Um, so if you're looking for that now, again, I totally maybe two to three hours play time before I reach that point and beat the game. So I'm not talking, this is like, you know, you're going to be studying this game for months. I think I played it over three days before I beat it. Um, so yeah, that was long, but like I, if you, if that sounds appealing to you, um, this game is, is right in that wheelhouse. Yep. And I'm definitely going to keep at it. Now that you've uh, given me some tips there, I actually think I could maybe make it a little farther than I have been. So I'm going to keep, uh, keep at it while checking my email. So thank you guys for joining us on this week's episode of The Short Game. Next week, we're probably going to be talking about another very recent release, and that's Oxenfree. Oxenfree is an adventure game about a bunch of teenagers on a spooky island. I uh, kind of don't want to tell any more than that. If you haven't ch- uh, checked out the trailer, it's really cool. It has a kind of a, um, people have described the vibe as sort of like the Goonies, but with supernatural stuff. I mean, yeah, it's it's also got a dice mechanic that slaughters the teenagers pretty quickly, so you can get through it pretty quick. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, and um, I'm looking forward to talking about it with, I think Laura is going to be on that episode with us, so if you have played Oxenfree, send us your thoughts. Uh, if you haven't, check it out. It's, it's worth, a, worth a look. And if you enjoyed the show, you can leave us a review on iTunes. We love those. Just, uh, you know, pull up iTunes and search for the short game, or you can click the link on our website. Also, we've got a feedback form on our website, so uh, drop us a line. Let us know what you think, and if there's any games that are coming up that you think would be interesting for the show, point them out. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at underscore short game. I've been your host, Reagan Kelly, and I'm at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Nate, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at NateSTL. And if you've played Tharsis and beat it or not, I would, I'm happy to talk more about it. Um, I feel pretty good about my strategy at this point. So I'd, I'd love to hear uh, other people's strategies too, because I do think there's probably multiple ways to go at beating this game. So I'd love to hear from people out there playing it. And Shane, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at 8BitShane. And thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of The Short Game.